You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And welcome in to episode 63 of the House of L podcast. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. That's right. I'm still trying to figure out life balance with the new responsibilities of the new show and the new podcast. But I told you I was going to continue doing House of L. It's my baby. How could I not? So I'm happy that you're sticking around and you're staying with me, too. I will. I promise that after this uh, intro and and after you hear the interview, that I'll get to emails because a lot of people have wanted to email and ask me what's going on. And I did a whole episode back at episode sixty two. Hopefully, um, you go check that out if you were worried about the fate of House of L. I'm Lawrence. It's my podcast. Yay! So I do a show now from noon until two on the score, and then I do a daily podcast about different subjects. And as I said in 62, the difference between Loho Daily, which is what we had to name the podcast, because I I didn't realize that the daily was taken by the New York Times. So we changed it to Loho Daily, and you can find Loho Daily on radio.com app. You just search it. It'll find its way to iTunes. It takes a little while. I learned that with House of L, that it takes a little while, but you should be able to find it. And it's a daily podcast, so it's stuff that's usually hot. There's a couple evergreen episodes, though, um, like the Lisa Ann episode, for example. That one is is definitely evergreen. And I debated whether or not that would be House of L because it actually has more to do with – it has an equal amount to do with journalism versus sports. And that's the conclusion that I came to, that 
House of L would be the place where we would talk about journalists and journalism and broadcasting and how people do their job, whereas Loho Daily will be more sports-oriented. So anyway, I wanted to, I've, I've wanted to get Pat Hughes on House of L for a really long time. He's been one of the, the highest requested people when people throw out their requests via email. By the way, you can email us, houseofelpodcast at gmail.com. And we had in place an opportunity for him to be on the podcast last spring, but there was this bizarre dark out rain out that the Cubs had the night that Pat and I were supposed to record. What was going to happen was I was going to go to the ballpark after my show. I was going to wait for the game to end, and then Pat and I were going to sit and talk about broadcasting after the game was over. Easy enough, right? But it rained all night over at Cubs, which meant that I had to stay in the score studio to host until there was a decision on what was happening. Then they decided to play the game. And I was like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll just talk to Pat at one in the morning after the game is done. And then the lights went out and then they were like, Oh, we're done. And then I had to hold down the fort at the score until Les came in from the suburbs. So needless to say, I didn't get the chance to talk with Pat that day. And with his schedule being on the road and with my schedule, it just never really worked out. So what, I wanted to do was figure out a way that I could get Pat one-on-one without it taxing either of us. So the opportunity came up at Cubs convention for me to interview Pat Hughes. So I said, great, I'll have him on the score, but it'll be kind of a house of L style interview where we're learning about how he does what he does, which is the goal of this podcast all the time. So I didn't get him necessarily in the studio, but I got him. And I wanted to share this with you. For those who didn't hear it, there's some people who heard it. But for those who didn't hear it and want to know why Pat Hughes is as popular of a play-by-play guy as he is, I think you'll enjoy this episode. So back in the saddle, episode 63. Cubs play-by-play man, Pat Hughes, thanks to the score for allowing me to lift this audio and put it here on House of L. So, Pat, I appreciate you coming down and spending some time with me. How are you? I'm doing great, Lawrence, and and it's good to be with you as well. Uh, This is a very exciting time in the offseason. The Cubs convention, all of these amazing fans here. I got to uh, host the opening ceremonies earlier this afternoon. Thousands of people were there, all the favorite Cubs of today and yesteryear attended, and the audience was enthusiastic uh, to a tremendous degree. It's always a thrill. It's on that list of things in life that never get old. It's, it's interesting to me because having the opportunity throughout the season, I think I, I filled in on seven games this past season for Zach Zaidman. And... What I, I noticed about you having the chance to work with you, and I was very honored uh, by, by the opportunity to do so, is that your level of enthusiasm, it doesn't matter if it's game one or game 163 or a playoff game or whatever or a World Series game seven. 
your level of enthusiasm stays the same. How did you develop that? Why, why is that still something that you're able to do at this point in your career? I would say a simple answer to that good question would be that I absolutely love baseball. I love the game. And when you think about my world, Lawrence, in these last four or five years, uh, it's, it's about as good as it could possibly be for a broadcaster. I have this amazing partner, Ron Coomer. I absolutely love him. He's a, a talented guy. He's smart. He's insightful. He's a former player. He's a Chicago native, former Cub, and, I, and he has a great sense of humor. So we get along great, and that is uh, paramount when you spend so much time with a partner over six months working every single day. So Coomer, Zach Zaidman has been an excellent uh, addition. Mark Grody did a good job. But the team on the field, the Cubs have made the playoffs four consecutive years. And when you think back, if you're old enough to have been a veteran Cubs fan, they went from 1945 to 1984 without a single postseason appearance. That's a 39-year drought between postseason games. So I don't take this for granted, this last four-year run. Of course, the culmination was that World Series that was the thrill of a lifetime for me. So it's, it's been a great team. We have the best audience in the world. Cub fans are, as a group, the sweetest, most kind, gracious audience on the planet. So that's another reason that I'm enthusiastic every single game. So I got Coomer, got a great team, I got um, great fans to work for, and then the management. That's always an important thing too for any performer, the people you work for. Well, we have Mitch Rosen, the executive producer. He is wonderful. He goes out of his way to make sure that we have everything we need. Uh, he, I can't say enough good things about Mitch. He's been a great guy to work for. And then you look at the management on the Cubs side, Tom Ricketts and his family, they want to win as badly as a ball player does, uh, and they have spent a ton of money uh, refurbishing and, and restoring the ballpark and also acquiring the talent necessary to win a World Series. Theo Epstein's about the best GM you would ever see. Crane Kenny, the president, is another guy that is, has been wonderful. So from everywhere that I look in my little orbit here in the last four or five years, it's nothing but good. Good team, good management, good partner, good fans. What more could a guy possibly want? How did you develop your style as a play-by-play -play guy? Because it's, it is so enjoyable. It feels like you're taking a long drive because baseball games are three hours long. But you're taking a long drive with a friend. That's a hard thing to master, and I think that you do it as well as anybody who's ever done it. So how did it develop? I think just experience. Uh, your basic personality, I guess, has to come out. Again, I love the game. I love to uh, learn the language. The language fascinates me. I try to increase my vocabulary every single day if I can. I have that word of the day that... Webster's puts out online. I'm, I'm always going to the dictionary looking up words. So I love the language. I love the fact that you can make a living covering baseball by speaking about it. Uh, I love the history of the game. So when I was a kid, I played every single day. I was not a great player, but I was good. I was a good amateur athlete. But I got to be about 18, and I realized I'm not going to be a big league ball player. 
I'm not going to be a point guard in the NBA. I'm not going to be a quarterback in the NFL. And I thought the next best thing would be to start studying the art and the craft of play-by-play. And that's what I did at the age of about 19. And you just have to get out and practice, Lawrence. It's one of those things where you can learn only so much reading about broadcasting sports in a book. You can only learn from a classroom or a professor telling you about it. If you want to do play-by-play, you got to get out to the field, out to the gymnasium, and start practicing play-by-play. It'll feel very awkward the first time you do it because you don't know what to say. And you have no clue as to how to get from point A to B to C. But then the second time you do it, it feels a little less awkward, and so on and so on. So I, I was lucky that I started with great passion to try to learn how to do play-by-play when I was about 19. I feel like I don't have to introduce or reset this segment because people know who that voice is, but that voice is the voice of Pat Hughes. And I know that the people that are standing here at the Sheridan, if you hadn't already heard, Pat has signed a multi-year extension to stay the Cubs broadcaster for a long time, which is great. And I I, I was reading your quote about how lucky you are. You've talked a little bit about that in the time that we've had together I'm happy that that you're back. I feel like we're in the golden age of of Cubs baseball. That's a weird thing to say with a a, a team whose history goes back to the beginning of the league. But things have been so great over the last four years that it's hard to argue with the results that this team has had and and how wonderful this is for Cubs fans. Lawrence, it is. uh, Winning so many ball games. The Cubs have won more games, I believe, than any team in the National League overall in the last four years. I know last season ended on a very disappointing and unceremonious note by losing the first game right out of the playoff shoot against Colorado, the wild card tiebreaker, after the day before the Cubs also suffered a disappointing home loss for the division championship in the single game against Milwaukee. That's not the way anybody wanted the season to end. But if there's one thing that you learn about baseball, and sports in general as you go through this journey of of sportscasting. It's a very unpredictable business. And in baseball, one little bad bounce, one little bloop single that falls in, or one ground ball single that they hit that does not go to a fielder, but it goes right between the shortstop and the third baseman, that can make the difference in winning or losing. And in every sport, in fact, I thought about the Cubs season end when the Bears lost their game against the Eagles, very similar. It gave me that same sick feeling because all year the Bears were one of the best teams in the National Football League. And then in the first game of the playoffs, a heartbreaking loss, very similar to what the Cubs experienced about three or four months ago. But you know what? In sports, you get to a certain point. Everybody who's in the game understands this. You get to a point in the playoffs, you have to win that game. If you win, you advance. If you don't, your season's over, and that's just the way it is. How do you handle the, the highs and lows of a 162-game season? I try to be ready every single day. I, I have a routine. I try to read as much as I can. I read online. I read newspapers on the road or at home. And sometimes I will read about baseball notes, and sometimes I'll read about something that I think might be fun to discuss with Ron Coomer. There might have been a a weird double play in a game in Seattle last night, 
or the Yankees might have had a, a triple play turned in a game against whomever. And that might be something like we get to the second inning of a ball game. Hey, Ron, how about that triple play last night at Yankee Stadium? Were you involved in any, tr any triple plays? You know, that kind of thing. So I love to do the homework. It's not work when you love to do something. I, I simply wake up, try to get some information for that broadcast. Uh, I don't want to kill a broadcast with too many stats. You have to give some statistical data because baseball is very numerically oriented, right? Batting average, earned run average, home runs, RBIs. You have to give some stats, but there's that real fine line between giving enough and giving too many. Because if you give too many, the audience will not be able to absorb them, and therefore they won't, it won't mean anything to them. So that's, that's the thing you learn with experience. How are you able to incorporate Ron Coomer? I mean, obviously you and Ron Santo had such a great relationship, and bringing in a new partner that's got different experience, who is, is different in the way that you interact with each other, how long before you felt like you guys were connecting in a way that the audience could share in? It, it takes a little time, but, but Coomer has such a good personality. He's so friendly. He's the kind of a guy, and there's a lot of people in Chicago like this, you spend five minutes with him and you feel like you've known them your whole life, right? And that's Coomer. He's always smiling. He's always joking around. Uh, he listens to you when you talk. He's a total team player. And I knew just from when he was a Cub, Lawrence, that he was a worker. This is a guy that did not have tremendous, unbelievable natural ability. He had a lot of talent. But Ron Coomer worked to get to the big leagues, and he worked to stay in the big leagues for about a decade. So I, I knew right then that he had a work ethic, which is fine with me. That's the kind of a guy I want to be working with. I knew he liked to laugh. He liked to have fun. And the thing I didn't realize until I started working with him was how smart he was and how insightful he was about the game and telling me and the listeners what a ball player is thinking, why a play didn't work, what a player could have done so that it might have worked. He's extremely bright. And the thing I love about him, he doesn't get too technical the way that a lot of ex-players do. Ron speaks in a language that everyone can understand. Right now, the Cubs are in a spot where... For years, the, the people that are in front of us, the, the person in the car that's a Cubs fan, has always been the hunter. The Cubs have been the hunter. They've been trying to get where the Cardinals are as an organization. Now, over the last couple of years, we've seen them become the hunted, whether it's by the Cardinals or, or more recently by the Brewers. What's that like when you're, you see the franchise kind of flip its, its outward personality to, to being the team that everyone hates because they're in front instead of the, the lovable team that everyone was rooting for. I like it. I, I, I like it a lot. I like to be in that spot where you are leading and everyone else is chasing you. As you were saying that, Lawrence, I covered a lot of basketball in my life, and I worked with the late, great Al McGuire. He was the coach at Marquette, led them to an NCAA championship in 1977, I believe. But he had many teams at Marquette that were ranked number one in the country. And I said, I would say to him, you know, off the air or on the air, I'd say, Al, what was it like when you were 20-0 and 0 and you took Marquette to a place like Kentucky or Indiana? I said, did that bother you? He said, no, it didn't bother me a bit. The guys on the other side, they're looking at us. We're 20-0. and 0. They're the ones that should be worried, not us. So I like that attitude. 
if people want to hear your calls and the call of Game Seven, baseballvoices.com, we can. We we I I I love it. I I love that. Your one of the best things that Mitch Rosen has done at the score, along with sharing your calls, is sharing your scorecard. So I'm just going to tell you, in the times that I was there, I I am obsessed with your scorecard. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. Like I walk in there and I'm like, okay, how does Pat do his scorecard so he keeps everything straight? I gotta know. Like how did. How did you come up with your style and the way that you share the information so that it's easy for you to get to in a broadcast? Well, I, I do the lineups. And again, I try to keep it simple but accurate. Make sure you get the right name. And I write them down phonetically. I don't spell names the right way. I spell them the way I say them. So, uh, for example, Jason Hayward is H-A-Y. I know it's spelled H-E-Y, but for me, when I'm broadcasting and I see a play and I look down at the card, I want to be able to see exactly what I have to say at that moment. It's a split-second thing. You can't be thinking, now, let's see, is that an E or an A? You know what I mean? So it, phonetics are important. I put down batting average, home runs, and RBIs for each guy. I do what the guy has been in the series. You know, Chris Bryant steps in against... Uh, this uh, you know Brewer pitcher, and he's he's four for six in the series so far with a home run and three runs batted in. So you know just a little bit about what he's done lately. Um, if a guy's in a hitting streak, he's hit safely in 11 consecutive games, during which time he's hitting 392. Um, and then over on the right side, I put what I'm, are called topicals, and those are the things I mentioned earlier that I can discuss with. Ron Coomer. Maybe baseball history, maybe a funny play, maybe a funny story that I heard on the bus, something that we can joke about. And that's also something, Lawrence, that over time you learn to do. You, you try to use those things early in the game, the fun stuff. You don't want to wait until the eighth inning when the game is on the line. It's a tie ball game and the Cubs have the bases loaded. Hey, Ron, let's talk about this funny story. No, that's not the time. That's the time you're bearing down and you're describing in detail exactly what's going on in the drama of the ball game. So, you know, you kind of you know, set the stage early, then you do the storytelling and the fun stuff in the middle innings, and then you really bear down and try to cover all the drama that you can in the last three innings. We're getting a master's class on how to do this job the right way from Pat Hughes right now. Convention coverage here is being sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka, while you're here at Cubs Convention, stop by Lizzie McNeil's Irish Pub next door. They've got the Tito special all weekend long. So at this point of the season where you've got a couple weeks before the guys get down to, to Arizona, what things for the 2019 Cubs are you most looking forward to? I would say just the season getting underway. Whenever you have a, a season that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, not that the Cubs had a bad year. They had a good year but it was a disappointing finish. And I'm just kind of ready for a new season to get underway. There's a lot of great talent. We saw them at the opening ceremonies about two or three hours ago. You think about Anthony Rizzo, a healthy Chris Bryant, Javier Baez. I want to see all three of those guys healthy, batting in the order, in some order. Uh, then you throw in Ben Zobrist and Jason Hayward and Kyle Schwarber and Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. You know, you got a lot of guys who can really hit that ball. So. We also have Cole Hamels for a full season. It's going to be a good starting staff. 
I do think that Theo Epstein and his staff are working diligently every single day to try to strengthen the team, and it would not surprise me at all to see them sign another bullpen guy or two. Um, and here's another thing, Lawrence, that experience has taught me. The things that are discussed, like you and I are discussing right now in mid-January, they may, but they quite possibly may not have anything to do with the Cubs in August or September. There will be young guys that will come along and make an impact. There will be trades. There will be injuries. You hate to say it, but they always happen to teams at various times, and it has a huge impact on your success or failure. Um, there will be uh, older players that you think will still be a star, but he's not going to be a star anymore. He's going to start going downhill. And not to uh, put any kind of a, a jinx on a guy like Yadier Molina, but there would be a candidate right there. He's been one of the best catchers in all of baseball for over a decade. Excellent hitter, tremendous defensive player, great thrower. But at some point, Yadier Molina, as a catcher, is going to start wearing down and his skills will decline. So that's something just to maybe, that I'll maybe keep in mind. But so many things happen that are unpredictable. Um, the, the game almost has a, a life of its own each and every season. You never know what to expect. You have an idea of what kind of a team you have, but you're never really sure. How hard do you have to work to describe all of the interesting and fun things that Javier Baez does on a baseball diamond? He is so much fun because he supplies so much dialogue for us, Lawrence. I love watching him play. He's one of the most gifted ball players that I've ever seen. When you think about hitting, hitting with power, driving in runs, clutch hitting, but it's the, the defense, the wizardry at, at multiple positions. Uh, it's the tags that he makes. He might be the best tagger of a guy sliding into a base that I've ever seen. The, the base running the daredevil base running. He, he has great instincts. He almost never makes a mistake. And his mind works so quickly on the diamond that he'll throw to a base that very few guys would have thrown to. But he just, it's like he, he sees the play almost before it happens. And he's, he's got that skill that you cannot teach. Um, but I love watching him play. And I, I mentioned tonight during the opening ceremonies, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a candidate for the, for the most valuable player in the National League for the next several years. When you see all these people that come to the convention, and now you've seen it for you know a quarter of a century with the Cubs, what's this like for you to, to still be a part of this and be such an important part of it? Well, it's a thrill, and it never gets old, and I am blessed to have a position of such prominence and privilege and uh, you know, you mentioned I, I was able to sign a new contract. I was thrilled with that. I have no intention, after I leave the Cubs, I have no intention of ever broadcasting another game for another big league team. I just couldn't. I, I don't think I could possibly do that. And um, I, I definitely want to finish my career here. I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, that may be up to forces that I can't even foresee right now. But I love being the voice of the Cubs. Again, I have so many great things working with Coomer and Zach and working for Mitch and working for Crane and Tom with the Cubs and, and the audience. The audience is amazing. You know what's funny? At the end of every year, Lawrence, I get emails and texts and faxes and not, not so many faxes anymore, but you get correspondence. You get old-fashioned letters 
from fans. They say, thank you, Pat. And I'm getting more of Mr. Hughes, by the way, lately. So thank you, Pat, or Mr. Hughes, sir, for staying here. Thank you for the job you do. And I feel like saying to everyone, you're welcome, but I think you've got it all wrong. I'm the one thanking you. And that's the way I feel. So enjoyable talking with Pat. His his voice overall is just kind of soothing. This is a soothing voice. And to be able to talk baseball with him and how he goes about putting his broadcast together and how that's evolved over his career, I thought was really interesting. And I thought that we could share. And I'm glad that you got the chance to, to hear it if you missed it the first time. Now on to your emails. And it's been a while since I've answered your emails. So let me go back and see what we got here. This from Kara. Kara says, Lawrence, I started listening to your Bears podcast during the season and became hooked. I've gone back and listened to all of the episodes and enjoyed them so much. I've always enjoyed listening to you and your podcast allows me to learn more about people in the industry and you as well. When is White Panther going to be on the podcast? You've hinted at it, but I haven't heard anything in a while. Have a great day. Keep up the great work. That's from Kara. She's going to be on the podcast. She's we're trying to uh we're negotiating what type of episode it's going to be. I thought that it would just be me and her just sitting around talking. She says that it's going to be an interview. It's going to be a reverse episode where I get interviewed. And I didn't think that that's what was going to go on. I thought it would be like Bill Burr and his wife where she pops up onto the podcast and they just kind of hang out. And apparently that is not the agenda that that White Panther has for me. So it's 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 being negotiated. Don't worry, it's definitely going to happen. She's very much looking forward to it. All right, this one from Jack. Lawrence worked 2 years out of college as a TV news reporter, was given the 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift. That was 2014-16. Now I have the 7 a.m. to 3.45 job. I'm so happy for you because not only do I get to listen to you in my cube every day, but you get the stability to have a nightlife with Panther. I really hope you get a three- to four-hour shift one day. You are a staple when I drive listen when I drive between live shots from 6 to 9. I miss the A-team. What I'm trying to say is this will work best for you and, and for me and as a score listener, this is a welcoming lineup change. That's from Jack. Jack, thank you very much. Other people have brought up, well, you only got two hours. And my reply is, we get a lot done in the two hours that we're on. And there's the podcast that's on after I'm done. That usually we have that podcast up even before I go on air. So if you want more, you can have more. I... Think of it as a victory, honestly, like being able to carve out the two hours of show. And, yeah, it's a challenge to try and get everything done in those two hours. I feel like we keep it moving and and we we do the work. I'm. I'll just say this. I'm not upset at the way that the schedule worked out, that I don't look at it as a slight or anything like that. I look at it as. An opportunity, and I think it, it was a needed opportunity. I think sports shows overall are too long. Now, to me, the sweet spot is three hours. It's a three-hour show makes the most sense. I feel like that's where you can have a show where you can have 
some really long discussions on topics, but you don't burn out. I've always felt that five hours, like our afternoon show being five hours for as long as I can remember was ridiculous. Like that's asking the listener to do a lot and that's asking the host to do a ton. So being able to carve out my two hours in the middle of the day, especially with it being noon to two, I'm, I'm really happy. So don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm totally good with the way this schedule is working out and hopefully it'll continue to work out and the numbers will back it up and I'll get um, more opportunities to do fun stuff. And sometimes the fun stuff isn't just like the linear radio show. Like I'm actually looking at this podcast that I'm doing, Loho Daily. Like I really look at that as a, a significant opportunity that was given to me. Because Radio.com is expanding its podcast universe, and to be one of the people that was picked to do a podcast, that I think is significant. It also gives me room to create stuff and talk about stuff that I wouldn't talk about on the score. Like, I I spend an hour in one of the episodes that, that'll post later on this week talking about Ichiro for an hour. And that's something that I couldn't do. So it gives me a chance to get to national stories a little bit more, to to get to stories that I think are interesting but don't fit into what we do at the score. So I'm I'm good with the two hours. Trust. I'm I'm good with the two hours. And you're right. It does give me a chance to to kind of carve out a life a little bit. I always hated doing the half-hour shows. Like, those just messed up my life. Because you come in and you're you're trying to fit everything into 22 minutes. And that's damn near impossible. And then you leave and you walk away, like, unsatisfied. Like, as a broadcaster, because you don't feel like you had enough time to say what you wanted to say. Like, people thought, like, oh, well, that's great. You only got a half an hour. No, it was really frustrating like to walk out and look at Herbie and be like okay like I guess that's a show that we did today now look there are going to be some half hour shows in the new time slot opening day is going to be one of them I'm okay with that I'm okay with leading into Cubs baseball it's it's helpful it's great for the time slot but it'll be a lot less than what we had at night where there were nights when I wouldn't even get on because the Cubs were in Pittsburgh or Cincinnati and the game started at 6.05. This is better with getting the move today just with Cubs baseball, the NFL, Bulls basketball, Illini, DePaul. Like we just, it was hard to catch a rhythm. And now I know that outside of a couple of early day games on getaway day when the Cubs are out East that I'm going to be on every day at noon, no matter what. And that's fun. Like that's a really fun thing. So don't worry about the two hours. Your boy is not sweating it. I'm actually quite happy. It turned out well. Let's see if we got, we got time for one more. Let's see who else is in here. This from Christopher. Hey Lawrence, uh, glad things are going so well for you. I don't think I've reached out in 10 years since a couple of deployments ago when 670 the score 
was just starting interview podcasts before their move to full shows. I I don't understand that, Christopher. We've I don't understand what you're saying here. We had full shows. Are you Let me read this again. Glad things are going so well for you. I don't think I've reached out in 10 years since a couple of deployments ago when 670 The Score was just starting interview podcasts before their move to full shows. Okay. I, I guess you're saying the, the podcast themselves? I, I guess. Okay. Anyway, moving on. I probably should have sent this previously, but I have two goals here. First, I can never describe what you have provided me during some very dark times, difficult times overseas while serving in the Marine Corps. Oh, that's very nice. Thankfully, I have finally retired, and that life is behind me now. I wish I could come back to home to Chicago, but dang, the money is good here in D.C., and I don't think I can handle that level of cold anymore. That's fair. Secondly, I can only imagine how challenging doing Sunday nights immediately after the game and your TV show was. That said, it fills a huge hole for me, and I believe others who love Chicago but don't live there anymore. I watch every Bears game available locally, typically more games if they are good and getting national time. After a good game, wrap-up and a cool-down is always great. Obviously, all of us people away don't get access to your TV after show, so the pod provides a service for us remote people. This is an unpop- is this, If this is a popular vote contest, please count myself a vote to keep doing it. Well, that's very nice. And he says, Semper Fi. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. I'm on the fence about this. Because obviously the level of content that I have to produce is a lot more. Where there's going to be the daily podcast. And I'm thinking once we get to football season that Monday, that daily podcast is NFL stuff. Do I still do a House of L Bears podcast? I'm not... I'm not sure. I haven't had a normal week yet of doing the show. Because obviously the first week is crazy. Like those first two shows are insane. And everyone's like, well, what's what's going to happen? Like I'm going to do a radio show. I'm going to do the nighttime show just at noon. We added one new element to it, which I really like, called The Rundown. And then we just do what we do. Last week... I was hosting over at Stadium with my buddy Michael Kim. And so I it was strange because that show was on in the morning. And so it changed the way that I prepped. Because I was getting up at 5 o'clock and then heading over there. Um, you try to get the workout in super early, then heading over there, then doing the show, then doing the podcast and then I'd look up, it'd be, it'd be 4 o'clock in the, in the evening, and I'm like, what happened to my day? So this week coming up is a little more real assessment of how much time I actually have versus how much time I think I have. So we'll see. But I do appreciate the, the really, really kind words, and I'm glad that it can be uh, something for people who are away from home to have and to celebrate a little bit. So thank you. And and for all the service people who check out the show, I appreciate that you take this podcast wherever. I mean, I look at the I look at where the shows are being downloaded from. That's one of the the cool things about Lipson is you can tell where the shows are being downloaded from. And we're everywhere. We've hit 
every continent where there's an establishment of people, we're in there. So it's great. So I'm glad that we could do that for you, Chris. And I thank you. Thank you very much for the nice words. All right, that'll wrap it up. A big thanks to Pat Hughes. Big thanks to Mitch Rosen for the audio. Glad that we could share audio, which is really nice. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to email the podcast, houseofelpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. And I already have the... Wait, I'm going to stop the music real quick. Okay. So, there's a Venn diagram that goes with some of this stuff. Like, there are pods that I want exclusively for Loho Daily. There are interviews that I do that kind of are blurry. And I ran across an interview... I did an interview with a gamer named Keisha Howard, who's from Inglewood, who lives in the city, and she runs uh, a company called Sugar Gamers. Initially, I was like, this is a Loho Daily pod. Then she and I talked for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever it was. It was one of the most engrossing interviews that I've ever done. And part of me feels like we need to keep the Loho Daily podcast a little shorter because I'm asking you to give give over a lot of your day to content that I provide. So I'm thinking I'm thinking that that podcast is going to be on House of L in 2 weeks. It'll be episode 64. That's where my head's at right now because it I just don't I, I don't want it to get lost in well here's another pod that I'm doing in the daily. I think that it living on House of L might be better. There, I just made an executive decision. There, we can bring the music back up. So in two weeks, you'll hear my sit down with Keisha Howard. Phenomenal gamer. And she also sent me some dope ass pictures to use as a thumbnail. Very impressive young lady. You're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna love the interview. I can tell you that. So in two weeks, that's what you will get on House of L. Thanks for your continued support. Remember to check me out on 670 the score every day at noon. We go from noon until two, and then the Loho Daily Podcast, which is different from this podcast. Just search for it, search for my name on radio.com, and you're good to go. Thanks for listening. Peace.